ignorant in the information age, but facts are in short supply. Reject the noise, ask bold questions, and pursue the truth with FBI whistleblowers and founding suspendables, Garrett O'Boyle and Steve Friend. This is the American Radicals Podcast. It is the American Radicals Podcast on a Saturday, noontime. December 30th, it'll be the final AMRAD podcast of 2023. And judging from what's going on in the chat today on Rumble, uh, you folks really uh, were excited to get some content this week, as I predicted. Uh, we're grateful to have you here along with us. If you're there on Rumble, make sure that you're giving us a like and following the show. We're over a 1,000 now followers. Uh, it's, it's upward trajectory all the way. If you happen to listen to the podcast later on, on iTunes and Spotify and iHeart, uh, make sure you subscribe so you have it automatically uploaded every time that uh, we air a new show, which is every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday at noon Eastern time. Uh, so final one of the year. The temptation, I think, for a lot of shows is to sort of do a retrospective on 2023. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to just push on with uh, with issues that are, are, are pulling on our heartstrings a little bit or we think are relevant to you all, and we want to bring you new information all the time. Uh, but before we do any of that today, uh, I want to make sure that we bring on Garrett O'Boyle for his his return to the show, uh, having gone under the knife this week. How you feeling, my sir? I'm okay. Uh, good to be back, but uh, yeah, definitely not all there yet. Pretty sore, and uh, yeah, just kind of feel kind of foggy still in my brain, and not sleeping great. But um, but yeah, it it needed to be done. I'm glad I did it. I suppose, but um, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to being fully recovered. Well, you were missed, definitely. Tracy Beans came in uh, in, a, in a pinch and was able to give us some some good stuff on on COVID and on censorship. And actually, sort of organically, in my conversation with her, I made the the comment about the the country's response to COVID as being um, unlike anything else in history that I thought for for our country, where as opposed to trying to protect our our youngest and protect the children, our, our most precious asset, uh, we sort of sacrificed them uh, to protect the elderly, which was atypical for what you would think from a society, at least in modern times. I mean, we're not the Aztecs pulling out the hearts <laughs> of children or throwing in babies to the to Malok into the fires to get a yes. good harvest. Uh, but it's certainly along those lines, um, which sort of was the genesis for what we're going to talk about today, uh, which is uh, we're going to talk about how we're failing to protect our kids. Uh, but Again, uh, as he is wont to do, our friend Kyle Serafin, purveyor of the Kyle Serafin Show, Monday through Friday at 9.30 Eastern, uh, he dropped something last night that I think we can link to what we want to talk about today, and uh, and, and that was a reference to the secrets, uh, uh, Secret Service detail that was protecting the president. Uh, I want to launch there, and then we'll get into talking about how we're failing our kids. Let's pull this up. This was uh, Kyle Serafin last night. He said he, he did it on Instagram uh, and then also put it on onto the X, onto the Twitter. And it was a in response to DHS, which has oversight of the Secret Service, touting the fact that in a historic first, the president's June 2023 visit to the Air Force Academy, so I guess they didn't do it in a timely fashion, it's six months hence, uh, it was supported by an all-female Secret Service transportation team. Kyle's response to that was, uh, he suggests that since half the population in America is female, half the days that the president should have an all-female detail. Um, what what do you think that uh, the president's uh, priorities are on that? 
Well, I think his priorities are uh, ice cream and, and touching little kids, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it would be, I, I kind of like, I, I like Kyle's take here. Like, all right, put your money where your mouth is uh, because they will talk a big game. He'll sign executive orders about LGBTQ and equality and diversity and inclusion and all that stuff. Okay. Well, well, let's put it into action then. Where's, where's the hundred percent female and or trans non-binary identifying secret service agents who will surround you half the time because you know fairness or whatever you want to call it that's the virtue signal right that's where they they like to say that they did this obviously it was on the air force academy i don't think there's too many threats at that installation it's a military complex and everybody there theoretically has been vetted as somebody who's uh, can at least hold a national security clearance unlike you and me apparently <laughs> uh so i don't know what the safety risk was actually to the president there uh, i don't think they'd have to like pick him up and drag him out of a, of a hot uh, kinetic attack uh, I mean, I don't know you, if you see a Gerard Butler movie here or there, maybe, maybe it happens. Uh, but I, I definitely think it's, it's the virtue signal when there's no risk. I mean, are you willing to do that if the president does his, oh, I, I traveled by train for 20 hours to go into a war zone in Ukraine. Was that an all female detail there? <laughs> I, I don't think so. It's, it's just setting these parameters up. Yeah. Uh, it's good for thee, not for me. Remember a couple of months back when some intern or whoever leaked like a photo of a bunch of Delta Force dudes surrounding the president in Ukraine or wherever, and then they eventually pulled it down because they're like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Like, we don't want to show those guys faces. Uh, all I saw was a bunch of bunch of jacked patriotic Americans who were men. There were no women. And hey, guess what? nothing against women. I love women. I have a, I have a wife who's a woman. I have four little girls who hopefully will grow up to be beautiful, strong women someday. That doesn't mean they're the most suited to be a freaking Delta force operator. It goes back to something that I've, I've talked about before. Like if, if you, what, what is good for your life in reality? I mean, you can, you can put it out there on social media of, Oh, I believe in this. Uh, but when, when we get down to brass tacks, like if you're sleeping in your bed at two o'clock in the morning, you hear crash downstairs and you call, 911 for help are you hoping that a five foot 130 pound female shows up or are you hoping that garrett o'boyle does <laughs> exactly exactly and you know I, i'm sure you can relate to your time as a cop and i think back to my time as a cop and i think of that officer that you just mentioned and when you heard them on the radio calling for backup it's like uh oh she's about to be in real trouble most likely or or even i i think of one you know similar she probably was about five, one, maybe a hundred pounds. And, you know, I'm not trying to knock her as an officer. I'm sure there's like a role for her, like her de-escalation or how she communicates with people. Uh, but when it comes to use of force, like good luck, man. Like, and I got into a use of force with her once and, um, she couldn't, she couldn't restrain one arm of, of a guy. And so I end up giving this guy knee strikes. I end up hurting my knee and then still grabbing the arm that she couldn't restrain, yanking it behind his back. Cause I already had the other arm, the other arm handcuffed behind his back. And so then I'm like injured and I get it coughed. And then there's other cops there. And I literally like rolled away and it's like, man, you couldn't even, you couldn't even restrain one arm. I'm just like there on the ground, like holding my knee. Like, ah, oh. I ended up missing like six weeks of work from that. And it's, it's like, I'm not saying she shouldn't be a cop, but what do you do when she gets sent to that call? Like how you can't, you're not going to be able to avoid it all the time. And so maybe, maybe the answer is like, she shouldn't be. 
know, the, she's, yeah, the question is, can you do all of the aspects of the job? Not a hundred percent well, but but good enough. I mean, yeah. like I, I couldn't be a, a kindergarten teacher. Like I, I know how to take care of little kids to a certain mm. extent, but my my skills are not. I mean, I, I probably apply the band aid not so well. Uh, and right. if you can't do that, then you're probably not going to be a good kindergarten teacher. You mm -hmm. just need to put where your where your default settings are, are best find you and where you can best serve society to provide a service that people want, need, and desire. Um, obviously, the, the the gals that are becoming secret service agents, um, they they think they fit the bill. Um, the question is, though, does does the president share that sentiment? Is he willing to have an all female detail in a little bit more of a hairy situation than when he goes to a, a military academy graduation? Yeah. <laughs> and I bet you the answer is no, that he's not. And and that's fine. That's a completely acceptable answer. Or his advisors or people who are really like in charge of his security, they're not okay with that. And and that's fine. Like. But it, instead, it's like, oh, well, that's not equal and that's not fair. Okay, well, maybe the uh, protectorship of the president has nothing actually to do with what you think is fair or just or whatever. That's a great segue to what we're going to actually talk about uh, for the most part today. Uh, you know, what what are you willing to live with uh, in your own personal account, and, and what are you going to advertise as the most important thing, and what are you willing to sacrifice? Obviously, I don't, I don't think we're willing to sacrifice the life of the president of the United States in order to to make a statement to to be yeah. have lots of girl bosses out on Instagram, <laughs> um, and then it, then the question becomes, what are we willing to sacrifice from the most vulnerable and most important amongst us? And then that's uh, that's the kids, as Nancy would say. It's all about the Nancy Pelosi, all, the kids, all about yeah. the children, the children, oh, the, the children. children. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to talk about a number of issues uh, uh, that have been pl plaguing or uh, it's been going on for a number of years, obviously, but have, have reared their ugly head here in the last uh, few weeks and months. And I think that are important to address and then uh, and maybe sort of rectify in the in the coming year in 2024. Some thoughts on that. Uh, so the first one being, this actually came from that evil, diabolical Southern Poverty Law Center hate group, mm. <laughs> the Moms of Liberty, uh, Tiffany Justice, who is one of the heads. She was uh, she was putting on her social media account um, some facts and figures about the fourth grade reading proficiency from 2022. So I, they obviously haven't aggregated the 2023 data yet. So this is probably the, the most up to date. Uh, and uh, you know, racial categories is the way that it's it's uh, organized. But amongst fourth graders in the country, 58% of white fourth graders are not proficient at reading. 79% of Hispanic children in fourth grade are, are not proficient at reading. And 83% of black children in fourth grade are not proficient. Um, I know this is a reading category, but uh, it does involve a little bit of math. Uh, my math skills are pretty proficient, uh, and that seems to be a problem for the future Garrett, would you agree with that? Uh, it certainly is a huge problem for the future, but uh, man, it's I, I just there's so much that goes into these numbers because it goes back to lockdowns, it goes back to forcing children to mask up, and what part one of the huge ways we learn our language, and also this helps with reading, is by watching other people talk by watching other people pronounce words, by hearing how things are said, by seeing the movement of the lips of people when they say certain words. So your, your brain is putting all of these things together uh, when you're learning how to read. And then um, when you're reading out loud, if everybody's got a mask on, it's, it's, it's detrimental to you as the learner on how to grasp the understanding of what you're trying to learn how to read. 
And so when you're in fourth grade, you're still learning our language. You're still learning how to read your, I don't think they teach it in school, but you're, you're still learning phonics. Uh, I mean, that's what I grew up learning and how I learned how to read. But um, th this is a massive failure and it's, it's everybody. And, and I love how it's, oh, well, we have to help uh, other races uh, other than white people. They're, they're struggling the worst. So yeah. What do you mean? Like you do need to help them. You need to help all these kids, but you've been failing them for years and years and years. And this is why I beat the horse of saying, get your kids out of the government indoctrination camps. Cause part of me really does think that, like, is this intentional just to dumb us down? And the next generation is not even going to be able to read. I am. And I think you, when you touched on COVID being one of the major problems here, you just go back in time. I mean, so they're fourth graders now, and basically all the kids get automatic passes uh, through COVID. So these would have been second graders at that time. Uh, so the majority of their time actually in school is post COVID and they have not clearly caught up right. from that, that, that gap time that they had where that we were all told, well, it's just 15 days. Oh no, it's just 30 <laughs> days or, yeah. you know, and, and now it's gone on for years and clearly they, the kids were not resilient enough to catch up or like you said, maybe that's by design and which is why we can't seem to turn the page on leadership in the country. Like we keep electing geriatric uh, octogenarians to office. Well, maybe it's because the people behind them can't flip and read. Uh, and that's a way to hold on to power if, that maybe nobody's ever addressed before. It's not a failure to launch or, you know, you're just, you, you want to, you're, you're interested in other things. You don't want to enter into any sort of leadership, be it in the private sector in business or in government. Uh, it's, you're just incapable of actually taking the reins because you've always just followed orders and, and been told that uh, you're doing good, even though you can't read basic fourth grade level which is, I think, for, from what I've done some reading on, most adults are basically l literate to about a fourth grade level, which is- Man, that, I, I will say this. America is still the most powerful nation in the world. How long are we going to be able to hold on to that title if our, if our adults don't know how to read higher than a fourth grade level? That's, I mean, that, that's the whole cycle, man. That's the cycle right there of, of you know, hard men create- good times, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times that we're in that cycle. And that's part of it. Like I, I bet you uh, 50 years ago, hundred years ago, no adult or very few, very few were at that level. And they were learning it still back then in government schools for the most part, how to properly read. And you're up to snuff when you're a, a senior in high school, you're at that 12th grade reading level, you know? Um, yeah, and it's, it's extending now beyond twelfth grade into the into the college ranks, which is probably a good good place for us to, to transition to the next story. But before we do that, um, you will not need a fourth grade reading level, but maybe like sixth grade level to um, to pick up a copy of True Blue. How do you like that one? <laughs> um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get my last few days here, people. Um, the, the publisher told me that uh, the, the fact that figures for how this book actually does will all be totaled and tallied uh, at the end of December. Uh, there still are copies at Amazon who basically hoarded everything and um, they refused to give them back to me to go to events. So I actually had to go back to the printing presses and get a few copies for myself. Uh, but if you want a nice, okay-ish level of reading, uh, I've been told it's a pretty fairly easy read and enjoyable. Uh, if you all are so inclined to, to pick up a copy, um, 
I would really appreciate it. So the true blue to my journey from beat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower available on Amazon. Uh, you can go and just do a search for true blue and Steven friend, or you can go to the top of my social media profiles or it's pinned there get a direct link to it. Um, and uh, I would appreciate your support there. Uh, you do not need to have a college degree in order to read it. Unlike the next story that I think we should cover down on. If we look at this, almost 40% of federal student loan borrowers missed their first monthly payment this fall as the freeze on student debt expired. Uh, this came from Unusual Wales, and this is connected to COVID, obviously, because they stopped all the student loan payments, and then people sort of got used to living without having to pay their student loan payments. And uh, now, now they're coming to collect here, and four out of 10 people who got a college degree, or at least got a loan to get a college degree, are unable to to actually make that payment, which is a pretty big jump. Um, if you if you look into this article, it says this marks a significant increase compared to October of 2019. So just before the COVID madness happened, when it was 26%. So obviously, it's still not good. One in four, but it's a, almost a doubling of the amount of people who are unable to make a payment. Uh, the Biden administration has introduced an on-ramp period through September of 2024. So we're just going to keep pushing this along, uh, where Borrowers won't face any penalties, but the interest will continue to accrue, which will just get them further and further behind. So I don't really see how that is a solution to the problem. I think you kind of need to address it eventually. Uh, student loans, a big part of your life or in, um, what, what, what does that affect on the, on the O'Boyle household? No, it's pretty minimal. Uh, I had the GI bill, which was, which was great. And that was an awesome benefit that really worked out in my favor. Um, Heidi, she paid her bills on time and uh, she paid off all her student loans. She was paying on them while she was in college and then finished paying them off within the first three months of graduation. And it's like we've come to learn how rare that is, um, like the frugality and, and financial wisdom, maybe not even financial wisdom. I think I think for her, it was just common sense, you know, like, oh, I got to pay this bill off. I don't want it looming over my head. For the next 15 20 years and then you mentioned it and we've talked about it before these people who stopped you know they were basically told and kind of forgiven their debt like hey well during covid you don't have to pay it well then they got used to their lifestyle of you know going to starbucks every day or maybe twice a day now because they got a little extra scratch to throw around and now they can't imagine going back to what it was like when they had to pay their bill and almost half of them i mean 40 percent that's a substantial number they're unable to pay like and it's also just another example i think of what we see from our quote-unquote leaders as a whole like the government doesn't pay their bills either i mean where what are we up to 36 37 trillion in debt at this point i think it's 34 so i mean like look we're, we're way more responsible than you're giving us credit for um <laughs> yeah but but why throw this story here into the failing our kids? I, I think that's another issue worth addressing is this push that you have to go to college. You have to go to college. And uh, now we have 18-year-old kids who have signed out enormous quantities of debt. Uh, I mean, I, if you go to a private college, because that's the other thing too, you, you don't just get a degree, you got to get the pedigree, right? You have to go to the, I, the schools that have these enormous campuses with all these accoutrements and it's a snowball out of control because these federal loans are, are guaranteed, uh, which means the taxpayers on the hook for them. Uh, tuition prices just keep going up and they keep using that money to beef up their administrative side with lots of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, <laughs> and instead of, you know, education about 
teaching people how to read still. Uh, but back to the kids and the, and the failure there, we, and you and I are roughly the same age when you were in school. Uh, that was all that was hammered. I mean, your, your school counselor in my head, I always thought a counselor, isn't that the person you go to if you have like, you know, problems in life, mm -hmm. but instead they were just like pushing you to go to college. Like that yep. was their job. That was their job is to, okay. Uh, did you sign up for, you know, like your junior year or maybe even near the end of your sophomore? Oh, did you sign up for your ACT yet or your practice or what about visits to colleges? Well, what about if I want to be a, a, a really awesome um, plumber or carpenter or dude wielding a blowtorch, you know, under the ocean fixing ships? Like, there's really cool jobs out there that people could be very passionate about. A truck driver, you know, like, and and they're going to help you. A lot of them have a really good salary. You know, I, I think of um, of Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. I love that show. I love what he's continuing to do. And it's like, why is nobody else beating the horse on the trades or these really essential, um, critical job fields out there? But it's, no, go to school, go get your liberal arts degree. And then on top of that, you know, get your master's degree too. And then these kids are coming out of college and they can't get a job because nobody wants what they went to college for. There's The market is oversaturated with people with liberal arts degrees. And there's not enough jobs out there. And then they all think, oh, I can come out of college and immediately start making 150K a year. And it's like, this is another example of how we fail their kids. Because where did you get that idea? Because that's not a realistic idea. Well, the expectation of what it actually requires to live and what, what the cost of living is. I, I think the old idea was um, that they would get this culture shock when they got into the real world. And it was like, oh, well, you're a super liberal now. And then you're going to get, get your first pay stub and realize, well, what is a FICO and how much money gets removed from you. And what we're seeing, though, is a massive freak out from, from kids because they don't know how to budget. They don't know really what it is to, to have to earn the appropriate amount of income to, to live at a you know moderate level, at least in your first few years. You're not going to be your expectation of coming out of college and earning like a quarter of a million dollar salary um, unless you're, I don't know some sort of like super nerd uh, is tech executive or you're a professional athlete. Like, I think that's, that's a little bit of a myth, um, which is how uh, we can get to the next story, which is also from the unusual whales. And this is a, uh, this is from about the millennials. So back to, we're banging on ourselves here. Uh, millennials have stated that they need $525,000 a year to feel, feel happy. Um, then the question is, what is happy? And this is from a survey. It indicates that according to the respondents, millennials believe they need nearly 10 times the median salary and other generations express the need for more than double the median amount. With the median salary is about $55,000 annually, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So failing the kids, how we fail the kids? Well, we, they don't know what it is to what's a normal salary and how to live within those means. And their immediate assumption is that not only do they need to earn half a million dollars a year, that they're probably entitled to that because they did everything right, right? Like they took their SATs, they did all their extracurriculars, they were part of the National Honor Society in high school, <laughs> and and then they went to college and it, they were told, well, you just get a degree in something. It doesn't really matter what it is. And, and if you do that, then look, you're gonna have significant earnings for the rest of your life. And immediately you're going to be thrust into the white picket fence, living the American dream. Um, and according to them, that's going to require a half a million dollar salary because they have no concept of 
how far an actual dollar goes. Yeah. And just this headline, I really like, it says they need, how, how do they know? How do they know what they need to feel happy in terms of, of money? And then also I, I got to do it. I'm throwing it in here. Ecclesiastes 510. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. One, how, how do they know how much money they need uh, to feel uh, like they're, you know, going to be happy? They're guessing to start with. And then for two, it's like you. Well, I know firsthand after not getting a paycheck for however long now. You really don't need that much to get by and 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 to be okay, you know. And um, yeah, it's it's just the it's another example of the failure of our society. And these kids are growing up and thinking that they need all these material things to to be to be feel worthy, to feel happy, to feel like they made it. And it's like, man, you don't need all that. You don't need all that nonsense. You really don't. No, you don't. Uh, but a little bit helps, which oh, is why sure. we yeah, you got to live on this earth still. <laughs> you got to live, uh, which is why we encourage everybody to support Theo Boyle family sweatshop. Uh, I know you're a little bit under the uh, under the weather here in, in yep. recuperation mode, so there might be a little bit slow. You got to bear mm -hmm. with us, folks here. Uh, but uh, it, heading into the new year, I know that uh, we want to keep the, the the sweatshop very sweaty. You can go to the suspendables.com. I think you're trying to sell out of your uh, your existing merch that you got, so you can put some new designs there. Um, any anything that you can look over the horizon on, any sort of flashes of brilliance that you think uh, you might might kind of put on a t-shirt or, or a hat or something. Yeah, I I got some ideas in the hole. The next thing that's coming will probably be a beanie that I, I have just about sorted out. So we'll get that up there. I, Heidi and I we both really like the. Uh, the test runs that we've come up with. So uh, I think that'll be next and, and hopefully sooner rather than later, since we're in the thick of uh, winter right now. Yeah, that's, I mean, well, I, I took my kids to go shopping uh, for, for too late. Obviously uh, we're gonna have to do better next year uh, for Christmas presents for mom. Uh, and we were, you know, they're, they're little, so they don't have a lot of money. I was like, all right, we'll just take them to the, to the target. And, uh, I was like, hey, we should get mom some nice gloves because she sits out there and watches you play flag football and I bet her hands get cold. And I went into this Target associate and was like, hey, where can I get some gloves? And they're like, it's not season for that yet. <laughs> like, well, it is December in Florida. <laughs> uh, but folks, you can do that. And uh, and we definitely want to make sure we're acknowledging uh, the, some of the Rumble brands we had come in uh, here in the chat uh, on Rumble here. The Amrad pod. Uh, give us a like and a follow there. Uh, we had uh, we had two come in. DL Maga, welcome back, GOB. Happy to see you that you're vertical. Uh, we'll see what the autopsy reveals on the uh, on what the, the VA was able to do to you, right? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, K9 and Heinrich, uh, prayers and blessings, Patriots. Uh, thank you to both of you all. There. I want to give I want to give an extra shout out to DL Maga. Um, he him and I have emailed a little bit um, behind the scenes, and he has been a real blessing uh, to me and my family. So I just want to, yeah. Outstanding. All right. Uh, back to the, the issue at hand. Now we've covered down on, uh, you know, on the financial side of the educational side here, uh, but let's get into some of the more, the social side of things. And, uh, I want to pull up this article that I got from life news. It's about, uh, one of our favorite organizations, Planned Parenthood, ah, yes. uh, formerly the employer of, uh, 
of what, what's that? Lena Wen's Lena Lena Wen, yeah, on CNN. Uh, <laughs> so Planned Parenthood admits taking teens out of state for secret abortions. We never tell the parents. Reading through, while abortion is prohibited by state law in Missouri, this has not stopped Planned Parenthood from taking minor girls to neighboring Kansas for secret abortions. Uh, the the person that they got on undercover video and and you wait they'll charge this person with a crime for getting an undercover video just like they did uh, to those others. She said she laughed and she said they do it every day. The managing director describes the elaborate lengths the abortion giant will go to facilitate to help conceal abortions for minors. She describes this process of setting up hotels, arranging interstate transport, hmm, interstate transport, mm -hmm. among them. Providing doctor's notes to the child's school, even paying for the abortion as a common service they offer to minors without parental knowledge. Uh, I worked a few kidnapping cases, Garrett, when my time in the FBI. Um, I think this meets the threshold of, of maybe a federal investigation if the FBI actually wanted to do its job here. Yep. Uh, but finishing up in, before I get your comments... This, the same woman says, we never tell the parents anything. She also talks about how Planned Parenthood gets judges to rubber stamp abortions. So now we have judges um, helping them out. They will bypass without the parents. You just have to make sure you tell them what you uh, that when you call. And we can cut off our letterhead so it doesn't even say where she was. Trust me, this is not our first rodeo. So now we're manipulating paperwork uh, to assist the judges as they help to assist Planned Parenthood. So this seems like a pretty big public corruption, yeah. potentially uh, kidnapping type of investigation that you'd, you'd hope to see. Interstate uh, commerce laws, because I'm, somebody's paying for the abortion. That's commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all sorts of stuff here. And man, just the, uh, it, it's hubris, the hubris. You can hear it in, I mean, we didn't even hear her. Just the words written down were enough to hear the hubris that she is filled up with. It's, it's not our first rodeo. We've done this before, blah, 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 blah. They are doing all they can to deceive and twist and malign parents in this country to not even let them know what's going on with their children. This is, this is the vile, wicked stuff that Judah and Israel were came under judgment for in the old Testament. The, the, this is, this is exactly the same type of stuff right here. Um, you mentioned Molech earlier and it's, it's, it's exactly that. There's verses in the Old Testament all about not offering your children up to Molech because it profanes God. And it's like humans are, are God's greatest creation. And if you even want to go into the science today, we can, because the science is abundantly clear now because of the advances in technology, that life does start at conception. And so now they're taking these children across state lines to slaughter and the preborn. This, I mean, and we've been doing it for decades. And I know the overturning of, of Roe was was considered somewhat of a win, but really it left it up to the states. And Kansas, that's where I worked on the JTTF. So I I was involved with the abortion clinic in Wichita. Um, it's still legal there. So the states are going to do what they're going to do. And some of them are going to keep this wickedness, quote unquote, legal. And then people in Planned Parenthood are going to cart minors across state lines to have them slaughter their babies like the, uh, the the judgment that will befall a nation for doing that type of thing it, god's grace will run out at some point and the judgment will be catastrophic here's where i actually get hung up on just on, on an intellectual level on this uh, 
and obviously the people that are doing this are pretty much godless heathens and we all know how that's going to end for them. But just from their perspective, you could take and actually rationalize the decision to toss your kid into a volcano for the greater good, right? Like, oh, we're going to get a really good harvest this year if I do this, if I appease the gods or like, like I said, the Aztecs, like we're going to torture the children um, and that will appease the gods and that will help our society in general. But to what end is this, this serving is either we're going to keep our, our kids really dumb or impoverished, or we're just not going to let them live. Like wh what is the, the end goal here? Like I, I always, I, the, the, the joke that I say is like, before I make any decision, I always ask myself, how does this end well for me? And, uh, if the answer is I don't get caught, then I probably am not going to do that. Maybe they're not asking themselves that question, but how does this end well for them personally? I I can't seem to come up with a, a conclusion. That I don't know if maybe you you do. No, I, I mean not off the top of my head. I can't, and that's what makes me think it's it's more insidious. Is they don't actually care. They they think well, one they think that they are on the side of right, and that you can do whatever you want. Because hey, Steve, just live your truth, man. Just <laughs> whatever is true for you, then that's fine. And it's like, well, that is how societies end up in decay and crumble. If everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes. And there again, we can point to some of the old Testament prophets talking about that as well. Um, but it's, I, I wonder, I don't know if they've even thought that far ahead. They just think like they're on this crusade for slaughtering babies or having your genitalia or breasts removed and I, I don't know i don't know what their end game is because it's so it's so antithetical to living um a human life like in peace and comfort and you know life is hard enough but then you're gonna throw these things in here like you're gonna do things that cannot be undone like slaughter an unborn child or say hey i actually am a woman now so i'm gonna chop off my testicles in my penis like you can't undo that you can't so I, I don't know i don't know i don't know what their end game is just destruction perhaps and maybe it's just you, you, like you said before the yolo you'll live once and there's nothing beyond this so we're going to try to uh, get our affirmation that we need make our lives as convenient as we can obviously you don't want to have a kid i mean that that might mean that you'd have to like you know not sleep in and you know, <laughs> yeah. drink, drink mimosas, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and uh, you know, I'm glad you touched on the transgender stuff. So the, the last story involved Planned Parenthood actually kidnapping children and, and taking them over state lines to kill their unborn children. Um, and obviously Planned Parenthood got in on the, on the, the tranny madness pretty hard here, which is brings us to our next article. Uh, and this is actually directly from the Planned Parenthood website, so uh, not secondary research. Uh, this is something they're proud of. They put this out and they published it uh, about six weeks ago. Four facts you need to know about your kids, gender identity, and being trans. Uh, I will just read you the madness and uh, you try to not come through the screen at me, Garrett. Fact, research shows that gender identity for everyone is formed in the toddler years. So saying it's a boy or it's a girl is apparently... Uh, not accurate. Fact, being transgender is not contagious. Uh, I I don't know about that, seeing as how the explosion of these cases has now happened in the last few years. It's almost like it's uh, it's a pandemic. I hope maybe they'll come up with a vaccine 
to prevent you from becoming transgender, but <laughs> they seem they seem to like it. So maybe it would encourage it. Uh, that's which is why they're probably injecting you with lots of hormones. Fact: More trans youth are comfortable coming out now than ever before. Well, my pushback to that would be: Why wouldn't they? If you're a youth and you're applauded because it's it's simultaneously you're a victim because life is so hard, but at the same time you have standing ovations for everything you do, and you're told that you're still stunning and brave. Uh, again, we can't square that circle, but here at that time of of life, things are really awkward. Uh, if you have an opportunity to get positive affirmation and attention, I don't think you you blame too many kids for doing that, especially you know when when the uh, the alternative is they're just called a bigot, sexist, homophobe. And then the fourth fact: when trans youth have an adult in their life who supports them, they are far less likely to be suicidal, which statistically is completely bunk. The rates of suicidality amongst people who claim that they have gender dysphoria um, and have not transitioned versus the people who have embraced that and then eventually start that process, they're uh, within the margin of error, error of each other. And there's not even long-term looks at that. So the, the, the way they'll push back on that and say, like, say within their first year of having been castrated, they feel really good. It's like, well, well how do they look around year five? Well, we don't know. Well, maybe it's because they disappeared because they're not alive anymore. Um, so those are the four facts that Planned Parenthood proudly puts out there. Um, any one of those jump out to you or any, any thoughts that you have? Uh, my thought comes from Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. And so Planned Parenthood can list a bunch of facts all they want. And man, this is, this is just another part of, of really the type of thing that gets me about as fired up as I can get. It's the pride and the hubris for them to list fact, 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 fact. And it's like, no, that's actually miss mal and disinformation all rolled in together. Like they like to accuse all of their political enemies of doing it's, it's not a fact that any of those things are true yet. They list it and, and try to gaslight you if you think otherwise. And I saw a little, a little snippet in there about in the seventies when, people stopped forcing children to be right-handed. There was a surge in left-handedness. Like, as if these are the same things. Like, hey, chop off your, your genitalia or, or use your left hand. Like, oh, man, even it's just, uh, this is this is how Satan works, man. This is it right here. It's, it's insidious. It's slow over time. And like, I would say since COVID, especially, it's been leaps and bounds where he's like, oh, I've, I've got the, you know, I'm, I'm in the red zone. I'm going to just keep pushing as hard as I can. And, and, and he has been, but at the same time, like I've seen a lot of, of people like start to catch on and then, you know, circle back to their faith or, or to becoming a new believer and, and saying something's not right here. Like this is, this stuff is evil because we have it innately inside of us that this stuff is wrong. We're, we were made that way that was intentional on God's part is to plant that seed in you to, to know that these things are wrong and evil. And so now we live in this society where even in America, man, like even, even in America, like if, if you talk about God, you're a bigot, you're a racist. It, it, and if you say, Oh, God created that man and woman, like better watch out. Your podcast might get flagged for hate speech. Have you, have you heard the mental gymnastics, the mental linguistic gymnastics for that exact verse that uh, some of the, the, the leftists will use? Lay it on me. They, I got to hear this. The, this second, the second part uh, of the verse is he created them. 
and obviously them being a, a reference to the man and the woman. Mm -hmm. uh, but they say that he created them means they, them pronouns. And oh. It's an affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I think you're going to need to read deeper into the book than uh -huh. that, that one line. I, I mean, like, I think yeah, you checked out on page one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's that's hilarious. Like I I I would say it was about a year ago now. Yeah, I bet you it was about a year. There was this I think he was on the Philadelphia Flyers NHL team. He's like a Russian Orthodox guy mm -hmm. and they had like Pride Night and he was like, "Nah, man. Nah, I ain't doing I am not participating in that." And they tried to cancel him. But guess what happened instead? His jersey sold out overnight. Like <laughs> Because people who watch hockey, they're they're like, no, we're 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 salt of the earth type of people, and we're we're not buying this BS. Like he's right, he shouldn't have to participate in your pride night if he doesn't want to. And then, oh, boom, look, his jersey sold out. How about that? And the 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 language game is really strong with these guys, yep. which was why they can completely turn things 180 degrees the wrong way and then apply the terms for it. And we just society, our society, the West in the West just accepts it and goes along yeah. with it. Yep. And you have to fight on the actual words because once you start using their language, you've accepted their premise, mm -hmm. which is why you can get like conversion therapy. Well, it's like if I say conversion therapy to somebody, like, well, that would be converting somebody from one from man to woman, right? It's like, no, actually conversion therapy is when the man says he's a woman, you say no, because you're yeah. trying to convert him back. You're trying to convert him back, yeah. Or, or gender, or the opposite, gender affirming care, which mm -hmm. the way those words meet, you know, because look, I, I do have a reading level above fourth grade. Um, <laughs> gender affirming care, which should be care where you're affirming the gender of the person that they are. But the way that the communists interpret that is, no, whatever they say that they are, they want to be, you have to affirm that and that's that's gender affirming mm -hmm. which i refuse to accept i just refuse to accept them on the language i'll fight them tooth and nail um i i even uh just for brevity uh, and off topic to what we're talking about now i resist saying covid whenever possible i say coronavirus uh, and i don't know if you remember this do you remember when they actually started calling it covid not really it was it was within the first uh few weeks um, and they actually, it was over a weekend that they, uh, the World Health Organization assigned a task force to come up with a new name because coronavirus, they thought was uh, anti-Hispanic. <laughs> so they came up with the COVID-19 acronym because they thought that that was more culturally appropriate. They didn't want to hurt anybody with the actual term coronavirus, which is a reference to the shape, I guess, of the virus it looks like it has a crown on its head. That's what Corona means. But they thought that because that Corona is a is a Spanish word that people would then interpret that and go against uh, Spanish speaking individuals, let alone the whole, you know, well, this came from China. So this is going to be an yeah. anti Chinese bias. Yeah. But the whole I, I love detour. That. Dude, if for, for no other reason, I miss Trump just because of how he speaks. Like, when they said, Mr. President, why why do you keep calling it the China virus? He said, because it came from China. It's like, it's like, all right. I mean, he got a point. Like it did come from China. So he he was it is still remains this master marketer. I mean, he he says stuff 
I mean, back in 2016, I just remember being like, that's a terrible label. That'll never stick. And then yeah. it would. I, yeah, I just, and it's like, what? <laughs> the Crooked Hillary is awful. That's I know. a terrible <laughs> label. And people just were like, yeah, that's shit's Crooked Hillary. Yeah. Or like, Ron DeSanctimonious. It's like, yes, come or, on. Dude. Yes, like, that's a These aren't one. good. It's like... <laughs> Well, actually, isn't it Rob? Don't they call him Rob? <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> it's completely off the rails here. Uh, uh, so, so back to uh, you know, we're uh, we're failing our kids. We'll, we'll come off of the Ron Sanctimonious to talk about how we, the West is failing its kids. Uh, we got a couple more of these, and then we want to talk to maybe how we're starting to push back and hopefully in 2024 keep that momentum going. Uh, and this one is not from the United States, but definitely in the West. Uh, this was reported uh, by Catholic Vote, and uh, it was a uh, scandal over hundreds of little children were sent to a taxpayer-funded trans clinic in the United Kingdom. Uh, according to this, nearly 400 children between the ages of three and six were sent to the UK's now-shuttered taxpayer-funded gender identity development service. Uh, in this group, 73 children referred to the disgrace facility were reported to be three or four years old. So obviously, this is a a pandemic, uh, an epidemic that's uh, hitting uh, not just the United States, but apparently all across the West as the uh, the folks in the United Kingdom are willing to sacrifice their kids to the new Maloke. Yeah, I mean, I just think like, okay, what does this look like in 20 years? I mean it's it's troublesome you know we, we both have little kids and i just think like what what are they going to be up against if we don't stem the tide of this madness like now and there are so many people out there who say well wait a second this isn't madness this is letting people live their life and like on one hand i want you to live your life free freely as freely as possible um but there's got to be some lines here. And, you know, it's, it comes as no surprise for me. The bedrock of it is God's word. And, you know, I pray that that is the bedrock of it for everyone. I know that won't be the case. The, the, the gate is narrow, as it were. But um, I just, when I think back to society when we were kids or when I, when I you know, go through history of America and see what it was like in the 50s or the 40s or whatever, there was none of this madness like this. I mean, this is complete madness. And there's a whole contingent of people. And I know a lot of them are loud on that side of the argument. But but they truly have been turned over and believe that you and I are evil for, for saying that this stuff is wrong. And so it's like, okay, how do you, how, how do you fight this battle and at the same time do it in a, in a loving, truthful way? to to try to stem the tide of this satanic evilness that has it, it's subverted everywhere i mean you just pulled up that article where they're talking about it in the uk i mean it's it's a full frontal assault in all of the west that that this is happening and th this is how this is how rome falls you know like the barbarians they they're they're in the gate and i, I mean i don't know I, I really don't know where you go from here People can't be bothered, or they they have a, just a hundred eighty degree difference of opinion of what what is good. Um, you 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 put out your uh, your George Bailey as a suspendable 
audio uh, on the on the Amred podcast, which people can actually get uh, in the in the catalog on uh, on our podcast uh, on iTunes and, and Spotify and all, all those sources. Uh, it's it's a good listen. You you played a bunch of clips from it, and actually I went back and uh, I watched uh, It's a Wonderful Life over the weekend. Uh, so so last night. Just because having listened to, to your talk on that, I was I wanted to have that perspective. It had been a number of years since I'd actually watched it, and I think one of the things that struck me was at, at, towards the end when he's getting this vision of life when George Bailey doesn't exist, and you look at now it's Pottersville, mm -hmm. and that entire town is just like it's like the Vegas Strip, man. It, it, it they there's just these taverns and people are at these speakeasies and there it's girls, 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 and obviously the portrayal of that is like, this is just awful. This is the, the, this town has taken a, a turn for the, for the dumps. Mm -hmm. But I think if you represented that to people now, they they would probably be like, well, Pottersville is an upgrade. Look at that economy. It's yeah. booming. People right. are, people are out and about. It's and the nightlife is fantastic. I want to move to Pottersville. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the, the wholesome nature of, of, uh, uh, of the prior town what's it? Uh, uh, Bedford Falls. Bedford, Bedford Falls. Yeah. That, um, where there's a savings and loan there, you know, as opposed, or maybe a, a theater. Um, I think people would kind of say like, well, that's, that's old and dusty and I'm not really interested in that. And that, that, that 180 degree shift of, of what is wholesome and what's worthwhile pursuing is really the problem. And we're driving that home to the kids now. Um, so I think, you know, you look at your kids, you look at mine, you know, what's the future going to hold for them? Uh, we gotta, we gotta rein this back in, um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and we'll get to some of those here in a second. Uh, I got one more story to throw to you, and, and that'll actually be a good launching off point, I think, for potential uh, resolutions that we could have. And this was uh, the, uh, it's about New York, and it was put a couple of different places this week, but it's uh, New Yorkers will vote on making abortion an equal right in the state's constitution. And next year is when it's going to happen. And it says the the proposed equal rights amendment that twice passed the state legislature would amend the constitution to make illegal discrimination against any person for reasons of pregnancy, pregnancy outcomes, reproductive health care, and autonomy. The amendment would also prohibit discrimination on the basis of ethnicity, national origin, et cetera, et cetera. One pro-life leader in the state said that the amendment itself could bar any future pro-life legislation from being passed in the legislature such as mandatory waiting periods, because that would actually be discriminatory according to the constitution, which is a um, pretty creative way to, to, to push forward your, your child sacrifice. Um, but before even talking about that, that actually got me thinking of ways to, to push back on uh, the, from, from the other side of things. Why aren't we passing or trying to pass constitutional amendments if this actually were to hold and you can't then it bars all future legislation? Um, that might be an opportunity to push constitutional amendments to get us back on a course correction on a permanent basis, uh, which is why I'll launch from this New York story to uh, one from the National School Choice Awareness Foundation which is a retrospective on 2023, where it says more states go all in on school choice in 23, uh, what it means for families in the K-12 education. Uh, over the past seven months, states have empowered more parents with greater access to new K-12 education options for their children than during any other time in modern history. When combined with school choice expansions over the past two years, the dramatic expansion in education options in 2023 has millions of moms and dads asking when and where these new choices will be available, not just if they will be empowered to select and how. 
and where their children will learn. Well, if we were to use the, the logic behind New York's um, constitutional amendment and then maybe making abortion a, a constitutionally protected right, and you're discriminating if you try to pass any legislation that restricts it, I would like to see some red states pass some constitutional amendments and make school choice a constitutional amendment in a right. right. And should the teachers unions push back on that at all, they're now violating your state civil rights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a strong point because it really is the same side of the coin or the opposite side of the coin here, where on one hand, you've got New York really trying to push hard for this vile quote unquote, right? Because the unborn that, what about their equal rights? They're a person, but why so why don't they have an equal right and so they want to make it a right for you to be able to slaughter that child and then make it impossible for that ever to get overturned and so yeah i mean this is this is the exact type of lawfare that we see where the the republicans the the right the conservative side they are they are way behind the curve on this and they're they're not engaging in it at all and i don't like it i don't like this type of lawfare where it's like okay we're gonna just force this type of stuff but at what point do you have at some point you have to start fighting fire with fire i know i've been peppering some of these verses in there but i got i got another one that i thought of when you were reading that new york story it comes from psalm 94 verses 20 and 21 can wicked rulers be allied with you those who frame injustice by statute they band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death and to me especially with the abortion topic it, the, it, it's murder and a verse like that really stands out because right at the end it says you're condemning the innocent to death and i just i don't know man i just really struggle with that because i i want to say the number is around 70 million pre-born that that america has slaughtered since roe was first uh the case law in the land and god's grace is gonna run out man you can't you can't do this forever slaughtering killing his most prized possession human life and then you have states saying we're going to make it a right and no matter what happens in the future if as if new york would ever go conservative but even if it did this is this is ratified and cannot be changed like that's some wicked vile use of enacting unjust statutes from wicked rulers and stuff that starts in California or New York mm -hmm. finds itself in other states. So I, I think that 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 bodes poorly in one direction. But should that be the the genesis for uh, for new constitutional amendments in more conservative states? I think I think we're we're headed for a balkanization. We're already sort of in the middle of that ha happening. Um, mm -hmm. There's no reasons why a conservative state couldn't fortify itself uh, and and pass constitutional amendments that would then enshrine the the gains and strides that they've made in a school choice realm. Uh, they've been behind the ball on that one. They seem to have taken a, a quantum leap forward in the last few years, and, and they're empowering the kids, uh, the the parents to help educate their kids and actually stop failing them from that, that sphere. Another area where they're definitely behind uh, by a number of years, but maybe some optimism here is, is uh, I think, a final story here, and that is... Uh, from Daily Caller, and uh, it's announcing a study from the University of Washington where they're actually going to look at the puberty blockers and the cause of the lasting brain changes for kids. So since like 2018, so for the last five or six years, 
there's been this argument that, well, it's just a pause on puberty. There's no lasting damage. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I, sure. <laughs> and uh, they, there's $600,000, according to this article, is going to be devoted to a study. Uh, and it says the uh, the UW, so University of Washington faculty of the study before it, uh, they, before it was approved, one individual praised the proposal as highly innovative project that would further support existing research from 2022, so only a year ago, showing that the that these drugs uh, modify cognitive function later in life. Wouldn't you know it? And if the initial study goes well, uh, and then again, like what is well, if it goes well, yeah. um, <laughs> the researchers plan to conduct a longer study uh, with the National Institute of Health, oh, the Francis Collins Anthony Fauci Institute, that will cover the effects of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones from each life stage into old age. Um, so at least they're willing to actually study this and push back on it and say, we're not willing to accept what the, the Human Rights Council says or any one of these other far-left organizations say this. The science is settled on this uh, because we are failing our kids here if we're willing to just take their their word for it. Clearly, these people are willing to toss their toss our kids into the volcano to Maloke, um, rip their hearts out, castrate them, uh, kill them in the womb. I don't know why we accept any of their premises then on the safety of these drugs, which are in effect uh, transitioning your ch child to a different gender, which we all know is in impossible. If you've taken basic biology, you know that there's an X, X chromosome and an XY chromosome, and you can't change that with any amount of puberty blockers. But at least there's some funding going towards this, and maybe uh, – uh, if you take the NIH at its word, which I'm I'm loath to do, uh, mm -hmm. there might be some some government willingness to partner with a a uh, some academia to study the long term effects of these puberty blockers. So maybe uh, we could reverse the tide of the epidemic of trans that we're seeing or we've been seeing in the last few years. Yeah, I wonder, like at the at the conclusion of a study like that, though, if they would, would just then say, "Here's the results of the study." I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that they're not going to it's not going to be healthy because look at what they do to try to, quote unquote, transition to the opposite sex. All of the effort, all of the drugs that they pump these people with. And then the most drastic of all the surgery to actually try to change the sexual organs of people to to be the opposite. Like this is. Yeah, it's it's Molech right here. And and so whatever happens with the study, it's like I just foresee them saying, Hey, we did the study, here's the results, but we're gonna support your your right to choose whatever sex you want to be, because this woke government society ide ideology that has it just has captured like the quote unquote leadership of the nation where I, it, it just I don't know. I, I pray that we can come back from it. I, I know it's possible because all things are possible, but um, I, I just, I, I think it's going to be a long road to, to turning around. I, I I think that it's been a long road to get here. So there's no quick fixes ever yeah. for that. I mean, it's been a hundred plus year march to the institutions uh, that the communists have, have touted for a long time. And we, we can't just, well, we're going to go vote in the next election and everything will be <laughs> fixed. It's just not how the world works. Yeah. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to get fired up. I mean, like I'm 
pretty fired up when I when I read some of these things, especially from like the Planned Parenthood side of things, where they mm-hmm. are just willing to to castrate my kids because reasons, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is well, I think as we're heading at towards the end of 2023 into 2024, we want to make sure that everybody is super motivated. Uh, to take the fight uh, in any way that that you can, in any expertise that you have, any passion that you have, the faith component component to that is massive. I tell people it's easy to get spread really thin. You might have ten things that you're super passionate about, uh, but then you you never really you become a jack of all trades and a master of none. You have to focus in on your number one and have the faith that your number two is your neighbor's number one, and have the faith that your number three is somebody around the corner's number one. And then if we all do that, everybody around the block and the whole community, one through 10 on your list is going to get addressed. And that's where the, the faith component comes in. And uh, I want to motivate everyone here as we get ready to close out 2023. I know Garrett and I both uh, share the sympathies of uh, who our favorite superhero is. Uh, but I think this will motivate you all to fight in 2024. It's a nice little video here, a tribute to our favorite. Batman. That's the uh, that's the Ben Affleck Batman, folks. For those who don't, who were just listening, uh, it's from the Superman v Batman uh, movie. Uh, that gets you get you jacked up for 2024 uh, to take on whatever challenges are there. Uh, I I do this talk. I've done it a number of times. I like to always close it out with the the chesty puller quote. Uh, it's easy to you know you, you you can feel surrounded by the the depravity that's around and, and the bad things that we're seeing. And obviously we, we are all accountable for, for what we're doing and the failures that we have. And um, there's enemies everywhere. And, uh, and the general uh, Chesty Puller said, you know, they're, they're on our left, they're on our right. They're in the front of us. They're behind us. They can't get away from us now. <laughs> so I think that's, that's a uh, appropriate way that I would close out 2023. Garrett, you have anything to, to share with the folks? No, Chesty Polar. This is why the Marines are the best. I'll I'll admit it, even though I'm an Army dog. Um, Chesty Polar, one of the one of the greats going down in history. But um, no, for me, you know, I just want to I just want to wish everybody a happy New Year and and echo what Steve said. Like the the battle is on every front. There's a lot of different topics we can we can we need we must fight against. And so, you know, obviously for suspendables, government corruption is one of them. But we'll keep touching on all of these going into the new year and and hopefully many more years to come. But thank you all for joining us uh, as we as we started the AMRAD podcast at the end of this year and looking forward to 
heading into 2024 with you all and growing. Way to close it out there, Garrett. Follow Garrett on social media at GOB Actual. You can follow me at Real Steve Friend. You can follow the show at AmRad Pod. Uh, if you're still with us here, make sure you give us a, a thumbs up, like, and follow the show on Rumble. Uh, five star reviews. Subscribe if you listen to the podcast uh, format. We hope you all have a safe and enjoyable New Year's uh, celebration, and we will see you all next week on January 2nd to start 2024. You've been listening to the voice of the suspendables on the American Radicals podcast. Follow us on rumble.com slash amradpod. <laughs>